0: It's uncanny how how canny you resemble Doug (laughs) Canny. If
1: I had a nickel for every time I heard that.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's not new. All right, damn it.
1: That's okay, man. It's all right. My actually, my older brother, uh, who's way older than me, he uh, he he got it more than I did. So,
0: Doug Canny. So, uh, I wanted to do this since. let me know. Can you see this? Because I want to share my screen here. Because I want to look at the the press kit that you sent me. So you should be able to see this if I do this. And now you should be able to see what I'm seeing. I do. Sweet. So this is um, this is the 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 press kit, the press pack that you sent me. And these are all the clubs that you've headlined at, which is really cool because I've actually been to a couple of these, and um, particularly this one, the the Comedy Club of Jacksonville. Oh yeah. I uh. sure you like you're familiar with dave coulier
1: i am i don't know him personally but i know who he is oh yeah
0: so uh saw him there um i've also seen bob saget live yeah i love me some bob saget um but yeah it's like dude you've like you've been around the block dude
1: yeah i've only really honestly uh since i'm older than all the other comics that are just starting out I've only been in the business professionally touring around the country for 11 years because uh, I played music for a long time. And then when I got sober and clean, somehow or another, I started doing this. And people did to me what you're doing. They're like, oh, you've been doing this forever because you're old. <laughs> and it, I just started. When, you know, I didn't really get started in it. Uh, in 2005, I started writing. I wrote like eight books front to back of notebook paper, wrote jokes for three years and didn't didn't do any stand up. I was playing with the band and then in around 2008 I started doing some of my material in between songs and stuff with the band and so I really started in 2008 but in 2010 January 5th of 2010 is when I said I'm doing this for a living I'm going wherever I can get booked I don't care if it's Utah this you know the northern circle wherever it is that's when I started so 11 years
0: Wow man and who have you like like who have you Well, like who's some of your like your inspirations
1: You know, man, I never, this is, it's funny. I never aspired to be a comedian. I met when I was younger, I was always the funny one in school. You know, I was always all my friends in the band. I was always the funny one, you know? Yeah. Uh, But uh, the comedian that I always loved the most was Robin Williams.
2: Oh yeah. But then when
1: I started in the business and I actually worked a couple of rooms, he did um, Robin had a, didn't have a good, he didn't have a good uh, reputation among comedians. It's sad too. Because I love him. Like, what do you mean? Like, he's... Uh, Robin, front, and this is a really terrible thing to say about a comedian, but they say Robin lifted a lot of jokes from other comics. That's the worst thing you can do is is steal a joke or do a joke. Some comics are kind of cryptic, and what they'll do is they'll hear you do a joke, and they'll take that premise mm. and make it their joke. Um, there's a lot of com. There's some comics out there, some famous ones. I mean, well, Carlos Mencia, he's the probably the most famous one. But there's a lot of comics that do it. The rule is if you write a joke like someone else's, and I'll give you an example in a minute. Uh, if you write a joke like someone else's and someone else has did it before you or they're already famous or whatever, and you just have like a parallel moment, you're supposed to drop the joke. And what happened with me was uh, I got a friend named Steve Eric. He was on MTV. Uh, he, was, he was almost big time. I mean, he wasn't like Louis C.K., but he did really well. Uh, and he's, he's still tours, he's about my age, but he's just not into it like he was. But anyway, I have a joke where I talk about my girl and I was like, you know, my, my fiance is 11 years younger than me. You know, I couldn't say I was dating a chick 11 years younger than me, uh, 25 years ago, <laughs> you know, so access, I'm sorry. I fucked that up. Uh, I couldn't say I was dating a chick 11 years younger than me when I was 20.
2: Okay. That's the joke. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Well, he has one just like that, except his, the numbers are different. And I worked with Steve a million times. I I don't remember hearing his joke. I just somehow assimilated it. And actually, one of my other buddies came up to me. and said, "You know, that sounds like Steve Ericks." I was so embarrassed. I never did the joke again.
0: Wow, that's yeah. crazy. Because I think I think definitely uh, in the general public is you know the perception of Robin Williams is you know comedic master. And but you don't really kind of zero in on you know what what like was he original? Was his material? original i mean i'm i'm trusting you here like i i have no no say in this whatsoever i just do know that he was you know unlike any other comedian so does he almost get a pass for that because okay so he steals like he'll steal material but does he get a pass because he's so manic and there's nobody else like him
1: that's a excellent question and and there's a good answer to it too here's the thing about comedians there's certain uh there's different types of comedians. Like there's monotone, there's uh uh like like Robin was what you'd call a improv comic. Um you could go up to Robin and say Umbrella, pineapple, vagina, and he'd take those three words. Well, that's kind of funny anyway. He'd take those three words and he would do 20 minutes of off the cuff and would just kill you. And some comics like Louis C.K. and people like uh Oh, what's the guy's name? The uh, that's got six kids. He's Catholic. Uh, he's real clean. Uh, guys like that, they write out every single little line of their, every single part of their joke is is written and rehearsed. I'm I'm in, I'm of both fields. I I've always been a musician where I had to learn my music, so I write all my stuff, but I do some off the cuff stuff too. Um, I don't like to do a lot of crowd work because unless it's organic, if you do a lot of crowd work, that's kind of cheating. So there's a lot of guys who do it too. It's some some guys are like Simbad is great with it but uh, Robin was an an improv comic so Robin could go out there and go I played golf with a Scottish guy today and he'd do 50 minutes on that and just murder you yeah uh, if you ever get if you ever get a chance to watch uh Behind the Actors Guild with Robin Williams it's like an hour and a half show
0: dude literally do it watch no, no, it no, no. by
1: the bathroom it's so good you're, wait no, no yeah. you're,
0: you're talking inside the actor's studio right
1: That's it.
0: Yep. I was literally just about to say that where he takes like the scarf from the woman. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, he's just amazing. And I, and I've done, you know, my style is real, uh, you know, I'm real fast paced and high energy too, but Robin was such a brilliant, he's so much smarter than everybody else that his ad lib stuff, his off the cuff stuff was just, you know, out of this world. He could, he could pull back accents and, and and do impressions and and uh you know nobody does it like that
0: yeah no he was um i'm actually trying to pull it up here because i just would like to to, like because that was that was definitely one of the the best inside the actor studios that i had ever seen
1: let me tell you something about what robin did that i found out that a lot of people don't know um robin would use someone's joke like by accident he was just so manic and hyper uh and he would go find that comedian and give him a check for 30 grand He did that one time in new orleans i can't remember the guy's name uh this was years ago before i was ever a comic uh and he would you know back in the 90s when it was the boom thirty thousand a year and you were killing it that was a lot of money to make 30 grand a year yeah nowadays you know nowadays i make 30 grand a year i mean it's not you know that nowadays a good comic makes three four hundred thousand a year once you hit late night you start making a couple hundred grand a year but uh, Robin would find these guys making thirty grand a, a year, and he'd go write him a check for twenty thousand and walk up and go, "Hey, dude, just want to you know, I, you know, I want you to have this." And and Robin did that to more than one person. He did that to many people, so you got to give him credit for that. You know,
0: that's crazy. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Well, this is like I love hearing this stuff. I love hearing like you know this kind of the stuff that kind of gets. And, you know, maybe rightfully so, because again, you know, it's, it, it, it's unfortunate what happened with him. And, and, uh, do you remember Absolutely. where, do you, like, do you remember where you were when you found out?
1: Absolutely. I was on the road. I was, uh, working for bonkers comedy. I was in Cincinnati and I was doing the hermit's club. It's a place that's been open since 1909. And these guys, they were, they were called hermits and they got a club and they make these buildings. They used to make stuff for orf- orphans and stuff. And, uh, I was in the motel room. Uh, I'd had the. I had driven from like Michigan the day before, and I was driving through and I had one day off. And the next day I had gotten up, it was probably 9.30 in the morning. No, I'm sorry, i had taken a nap. That's what it was. I took a nap in the afternoon. And when I got up, Beth, my fiance now, uh, messaged me and she said, you know, I need to tell you something. And I was like, what is it? There's something wrong with my dog? I mean, what's up? She said, Robert Williams, they found him dead. He committed suicide. And man, I just, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. And because, you know, I, we didn't know he was sick or anything. Yeah. And, uh, he had just did a tour two years ago and was in Florida. So, uh, I didn't see him, but I just, I heard about it, but, um, yeah, man, it was, it was, I'll always, there's a couple places I'll always remember where I was is, is, of course, when Robin died and, and of course, Eddie Van Halen, I mean, you know, the, that I shed some tears over that. I, I, I literally probably, I probably, I'm not a big emotional person, but i I probably cried all day, man. When, when Eddie Van Halen died, I haven't drank. I've been sober nine years. I drove to the liquor store and sat outside the liquor store for 20 minutes and stared at the front door. The day Eddie died
0: contemplating,
1: I was going to do a bottle of tequila and I don't mean a swaller. Wow. You know? Yeah. It hit me hard. Well, I mean, I grew, you know, I started, I grew up in foster care. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I started playing guitar when I was eight Went to music school for four years. I was supposed to be this, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, I had an interesting childhood. A lot of people had it a lot worse than me. Uh, foster care was the best thing that ever happened to me. No complaints. I, I, I had a, you know, I, from the time I was 11 years old on, you know, at least I was safe. And, uh, Eddie Van Halen came out when I'd been playing guitar for four and a half years. You know, I, I learned eruption when I was in the eighth grade, ninth grade, you know, and nobody could play it. I could play it. Nobody else could play it. You know, none of the grown-ups around me. So, I mean, uh, Eddie was, you know, so- something that... And I never met him in all my travels. We we toured with Rat. We toured with Loverboy. You know, we toured with some some bigger acts, and I never, never got a chance to meet him. Never. Whew. Yeah.
0: Is there is there somebody now? Like, if you found out now, like, who's, like, who's your next Eddie Van Halen?
1: Oh, dude, that's a good story. He's a friend of mine. He's actually uh, the best guitar player in the world. His name is Nuno Betancourt. uh plays for a band called extreme okay uh used to play with rihanna uh and he's a buddy of mine we we, you know i spent some time with him a few times his sister is a good friend of mine and uh i get in free to all his shows get backstage all i gotta do is say i'm going and i get i I get a a thing in the mail or, or they tell me to say their name up actually not in the mail that's not true when i get there i tell them who i am and another friend of mine tony uh uh Tony Cabral is a good friend of mine. He grew up with him and he lives down here and he's the one who actually introduced me to him. And check this out. Nuno is a huge comedy fan. Never wants to talk music. All he wants to talk is stand-up.
0: Comedy. That's awesome.
1: Blows my mind. And Nuno is on tour right now with Steve Vai, Ingve Malmstein, Zach Wild, and uh Abassi Toten. Abbassi Tosin, excuse me. And um, those guys are just that's just the best guitar players in the world. Nuno is He's like my age. You know, he's yeah. just the most amazing guitar player there is. So he's, I, I I can play a lot of his stuff. I, I love his style.
0: So he's going to be like, he'll be your next Eddie Van Halen when you find out?
1: Well, I mean, there's no other Eddie. There can never be anybody like, and I don't mean that in a cliche way. I mean that as in Eddie, Eddie was the Beethoven of guitar. He's the one that brought guitar for, for the, the average layman. He's the one that brought guitar out to be a credible instrument. If it wasn't for Eddie Van Halen, it would still be Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and Jimmy was great, but I mean, Eddie 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 put talent behind the guitar. And Nuno, uh, technically and originality wise, is is he's Eddie?
0: Damn, damn, yeah. yeah. There's the yeah. There's a. I definitely fall into the layman category because I'm very like you know I'm just kind of base basic level understanding of. Of like you know like your your major ones right so like the one i'm thinking of right now is slash all right he's uh yes. the...
1: technically slash is not very good really he's, uh yeah he plays he plays okay good writer he's been in the right place in the right time for a long time i like his style but as for technical ability you know i could smoke him i mean it's not <laughs> yeah i'm not saying like a right way he writes he's a way way better musician way more successful but when it comes to technical stuff yeah yeah he can't he couldn't do what i do Damn. So uh yeah, but there's people like, of course, and I'm just saying that as in the latter for you to understand, understand how it, you know, technically how it's like when you talk about Yngvey Malmstein, talk about him, and then you talk about like the guy from Poison, you see the gambit, the, the gap between those two. Yeah. You know who Ingve Malmstein
0: is? I don't know.
1: It's spelled Yingwi, Y-N-G-W-I-E. It's ingve He's he's like one of the fastest, unbelievable. But there's all kinds of young people out now from overseas that are just sick. You can't even. There's yeah. a little 16-year-old kid from Russia, Max Ostro. Okay. You can't even see his hands. You can't That's... even see them when he plays. I'm serious. Yeah. That's how good he's. 16 years old. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah,
0: yeah. See, I, uh, see, I'm see. i a big uh, Michael Jackson fan. So I'm like, like ah. slash, you know, like slash on like black or white or uh there's a really underrated song MJ did called Give In to Me and that's also slashes on there. And uh so he just kind of really stands out to me, but um where does like You heard Beat It? Uh yeah, but that's not Slash, right? Or is that Slash? No,
1: that's Eddie Van Halen. Oh Beat shit. Yeah. Michael Jackson.
0: Yeah, you're right, man. Yeah.
1: I play that song note for note. Yeah, when it, when I do my solo, when I play with the band, I play the solo from Beat It, one of them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. But Slash,
1: yeah, Slash and also, you know, uh Nuno played with, with uh,
0: Michael's sister
1: on Black or White. or no, Black Cat. I'm sorry, Black Cat. I'm Black sorry. Cat and
0: yeah. Jan- and Janet Jackson. You're talking about?
1: Yeah, Janet. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and he went. Nuno and Eddie were friends. They were buddies. Whew.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I remember where. Speaking of MJ, I like. I remember where I was when when i mean i think we all remember where we were when when we found out about michael jackson but you know what i'm somebody that i'm not a big conspiracy theorist but i would not be surprised if tomorrow it comes out michael jackson is still alive
1: <laughs> uh i i don't the, the reason i don't think that about michael jackson and i do i do believe that's possible with some people the reason i don't believe that with michael jackson is um number one i think that he when he could control it i think he liked the spotlight you know yeah uh and and another thing is is i don't know i think i think michael i don't think he could go anywhere without being recognized around the planet you know he's he's just one of those kind of people that you could take him to a little village you know in africa and they go oh michael jackson and then they they moonwalk with n- no shoes <laughs> on you know yep so prince when prince died that that really i was a big prince fan and that was a that was a big one, too. I couldn't believe he died. You know, Michael Jackson dying, that was – and and Prince. That's all just uh, it, it's stupidity because it didn't have to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Same thing with Michael Jackson. That didn't have to happen. No. You know, if there would have been the right supervision. But you talk about millions and millions and millions of dollars. Whew. You know. It's something that well, no
0: one – like, it's something that you and I, like, we cannot – we can't fathom it, you know, so it's easy to speculate, but it's like one, you, you have to live that life. You have to understand what it's like to be in that, in that position, right? And I think that's what a lot of people forget about. It's like, well, he had millions of dollars. How could he not? Like, did you ever see that documentary, like the, like the really controversial one, Living with Michael Jackson? Was it the one where he was walking
1: through like a, uh, they closed down this shop yep. and he was walking through going, I'll take two of those. I'll take, I'll take four of those. And like, yeah.
0: and like, and like the guy doing the documentary goes up to the thing and he's like, wow, $250,000. Yeah. That's the one I remember. Yeah. Like, good God. he Yeah. He like, like they shut down the store in Vegas or something. And yeah, he's, he, he's just going through and he's like, I'll take one of those. I want one of those. And it's like, I can't, I can't, Imagine what that's like. He had
1: the doctors, and when I talk about money, I know you think doctors have a lot of money. So, you know, why would they care about how much he's gonna pay them? Doctors also are starstruck, just like you and me are. So the doctors that he had were big Michael Jackson fans, and he wasn't paying like a hundred dollar deductible. He would have a doctor that worked for him that would prescribe him drugs that he was paying ten or twenty grand a week. So I mean, he was spending millions on doctors. I, I saw some show on, can't remember what show it was. It was on some show about pain medicine, uh-huh. and they were talking about what pain pills. Because he essentially he died because of a pain pill overdose. It's pretty much what killed him. Yeah. So I mean, and they were talking about the doctors that, and every doctor that dealt with him lost their license. Every single one.
0: Yeah, but there's the there's the main one, right? Like there was the right. main doctor that. Uh, that got the real heat but there's multiple doctors you're saying that pretty much just everyone lost it.
1: they they even went back like years before uh, to doctors that would that stopped treating him because he was getting out of control and they took their license. damn there was a, like a handful of them like a, like you know 10 of them and they were saying that uh, it's really their fault because they're the ones to begin with, that you know gave him whatever he wanted and and look man i don't know what your past is or whatever but it ain't hard to get addicted to pain medication i got in a bad car accident and i was on them legally for 11 years
0: are you talking about like got, uh, opioids or, or
1: oh oh yeah i was getting i was getting ms cotton given to me by the doctor i was taking 300 milligrams a day for like years they would kill. I was drinking I was drinking a fifth of tequila a day. Six beers and drinking and functioning.
0: Well, what's amazing is I mean, and and we and we've only skimmed the surface, but it sounds like you've you've definitely been through a lot. And it's amazing how like level headed and calm and 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 for the most part with it. Like, I mean, and I say that respectfully because you are a comedian, so you have to be a little kind of fucked in the head, right? But yeah. Yeah, like, uh,
1: to to be sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know? But like, you're really kind of like you're really. It's amazing how how normal you come off, having apparently been through some shit in your. How many? Like like how old are you?
1: Fifty six. Yesterday, my birthday was yesterday.
0: I saw that. By the <laughs> way, happy belated.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that's crazy, yeah. dude. Well, you know, and I and thank you for saying that. I appreciate you saying that. Uh, the the thing that that I think I've uh, accepted. In the last few years that's probably helped with my psyche and helped with my understanding of what's going on is is uh man i you know my problems in my life weren't anybody's fault but my own you know i i was of course i was handed a few bad hands but aren't we all man oh, yeah. isn't everyone kind of giving some shit? yeah yeah you know i mean it, you know the the worst thing in the world and, and, and that's why I don't discuss it with everyone. The worst thing in the world is when you come up and you meet somebody and you're hanging out with them and maybe the first or second time you meet them, they just, Oh, woe is them. They, their parents were tough on them and they flunked out of school and they did that. You know, it, I just don't want to be one of those kind of people. And when I moved here nine years ago from North Carolina, you know, uh, I, I, I was six months sober. Uh, I came down here with my dog and 300 bucks, my Chrysler 300, a Les Paul and a Marshall stack Mm. and my clothes. That's pretty much all I had. I had two agents booking me and, um, and you know, I left everything behind. I lived in New Bern for most of my life. I lived in LA for a year. I lived in Baltimore for a year, played music. Um, you know, so it's not like I've always been in a little town, but, uh, you know, I've been here for nine years and rebuilt a career, a life, you know, I'm getting married next year. I got a great, you see my girl i got a great great fiance uh so i mean you know you just at some point in life you just gotta go you know what uh it's your fault you did it fix it move on stop being a puss you know and and i just decided that that's what i was gonna do you know i'm just i'm not gonna wallow in it you know damn
0: yeah, but that's like it's 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 easier said than done because you have all the classic examples, right? So you're going to use like your your Michael Jacksons, your Prince, also, right? Like that was like an overdose, right?
1: Yeah, he he was on. I guess they both were on fentanyl. That's something I've never done. I've done oxys and 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 you know the pills I got from the doctor, but they they were on fentanyl. And I heard that's the when you're a, when you're a pain pill person. Uh-huh. I heard that fentanyl stuff is like Superman. That's what I heard. Damn. Yeah, you know, I've never touched it I've never there's a few things and you know, I was a pretty big druggie and alcoholic you know drinker not alcoholic but alcohol for a long time but I never touched heroin or crack I never did that
2: wow good. so I mean good for you, you man.
1: Know, well I heard that <laughs> I heard that that stuff was pretty desirable so, <laughs> <laughs> so I said no
0: oh man have you ever seen uh there's a great scene in um in uh it's called 21 Jump Street with Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum have you seen that movie
1: I don't think I, if I saw the movie, I wasn't sober, so I don't know about
0: it. It's, uh, there's a scene in there because they're, well, because it's like, it's, it's a, um, it's a spinoff of that 80s show from, from the 80s, 21 Jump Street. I saw the TV show, yeah. Yeah, and so it's like the updated version. This came out in like 2012 or something, and they're going around the high school and they're trying to get, um, Uh, like to find out where this drug is coming from and the drug is called Wi-Fi. So everybody's on Wi-Fi and um, uh, they accidentally pop the pill. They they accidentally take it and there's an incredible scene. I've I've played it before on the podcast. Um, It's just so funny where they trip major ball sack. That's what it's called. They're tripping major ball sack (laughs) and they're just like talking to like one of the gym teachers and his head becomes like a animatronic cat or something and it's just the funniest fucking thing of all time and then it ends with him going you guys aren't on drugs are you and then there's like (laughs) a and then there's like a quick pause and then it just like the screen erupts with the most random shit ever like a like a chicken crossing a road getting shot it's it's the funniest thing of all time
1: well tripping balls is what they used to say in the 80s when we would do lsd yeah there you go Uh, we did we did all that stuff back in the 80s. I, you know, I was 16 in 81. And that's when I started playing music professionally. I left foster care in 1981 and went on the road and played 345 nights a year for years all over the country back back in the 80s and we would when we did acid and stuff like that and we never tripped and you know super hallucinated. Things were wobbly and stuff like that. The only thing I ever hallucinated off of was peyote. I took peyote years ago, and I literally saw things. Mm-hmm.
0: That's yeah, crazy. I
1: mean, yeah, so and I would now nowadays mushrooms are real safe and stuff, but I'm just too old for it. I smoke a little, and that's it.
0: See, I'm like, man, like I'm really, I don't know, like I'm very much a virgin in a lot of that shit because I don't know, I like I was raised a totally different way. So, but like a part of me is curious. A part of me wants to know what all this shit. Is feels like what it you know what it does to you like the worst i've done is weed and that's it yeah and you that's know? you know
1: what that's enough <laughs> you don't you don't have to i don't how old are you
0: i am uh 28
1: see that's my son is 28 uh you know that's a good thing it's not a bad thing it always bothered me when people would say oh i've never done this or i've never done coke or that and i'm always like good don't do it I've never, ever been peer pressure for, you know, if you feel like you want to, you ever heard of Mitch Hedberg?
2: No. He's a real
1: famous comedian. He died. He died back before I even started, but he was a very, very famous comedian. Okay. And his, his life's ambition was to travel the world and do every drug in the world. That was yeah. his hobby. Mm. And, and that's, that's what he saw. So, I mean, there's people like that in the world, you know I mean? Yeah. uh I, I, you know
0: that's not you. And
1: no, that's not, I mean, I, you know, I never got real tore up playing music on stage because I cared about my guitar playing so much, but I, you know, I got, you know, I didn't miss any, I didn't miss any of it. and, And I, that's why I will never go back to it. You know, it's just not for
0: me. See the thing with like the thing with me is I feel like I have a pretty high tolerance in terms of not getting addicted. So like with weed, I like like I didn't gain an addiction to it. Uh, alcohol, like I'm not an alcoholic. Uh, like I love to drink, but I can control it. Like I I don't need it. You know what I mean. So I feel like I don't know. This could be my naivety, but like I feel though as though I could just do this stuff and it would be totally fine, and it would be a one and done kind of thing. But you're shaking your head. Well.
1: I I agree that you are probably a very strong-willed person. I I agree. I I, I can kind of see your aura, and I can tell that you're like that. But there's shit that's stronger than me and you out there. And if you were just to accidentally slip up and do a couple oxys or this or that or whatever and get to where, even if you did it for a couple of weeks, uh, it makes you a different person, man. It changes your soul. Wow. So don't be that guy.
0: Nah, nah. If I'm being real, it's probably going to be just like a like a like a pipe dream kind of thing. And I'll always wonder. You can
1: have fun without it.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's that's the thing that I hate when 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 people are, you know, you need this to feel as though that's your only way of having a good time. And you know, Granted, when I am tipsy and drunk, I, like I've done a, I, I've done a couple podcasts drunk, and they're 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 definitely a little more interesting. Like I will say, they're definitely a little more interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, you can live a life and and live a fulfilled life without any kind of influence for sure.
1: Alcohol, in my opinion, and. I pretty much told you what i've done i've done pretty much everything but in my opinion alcohol is the worst thing there is out there i've seen and and and, you know remember i played music back before when the drinking age was 18 okay i traveled all over the country almost every state i've seen girls everywhere and and alcohol is the worst thing to for a girl who doesn't drink much and a guy it's gotten guys killed it's gotten guys in trouble it's gotten guys owe hundreds of thousands of dollars i've seen girls come into a nightclub and this is this is absolutely i could probably tell you their names i've seen girls come into nightclubs before never have smoked never done drugs never gotten laid out of a relationship i've seen girls come into a nightclub together do some lines get drunk bang two guys in the band snort lines and then go home and never have done it before I mean, I've seen the walk of shame. I've seen the cigarette of shame. I've seen the breakfast of shame. I've seen the taxi of shame. I've seen it all. Damn. Yeah, so I mean, alcohol is the worst thing.
0: And it always stemmed from alcohol. It was, alcohol was the start.
1: They would have never done it without If they hadn't had those two shots tequila. Oh, you're doing it. Let's do it. (laughs) You know,
2: (laughs) you know. (laughs)
1: Stuff they would, you know, they would never do that. Yeah, you know?
2: yeah, 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 for I've sure.
1: Had, I've had girls come up to me. When did it last happen? I think the last time it happened was in Myrtle Beach because okay. I've been playing in Myrtle Beach since 1980. Okay. I mean, I, Myrtle Beach is like my second. I almost moved there. I met a girl in Myrtle Beach with our old light man from a band I was in and I remember talking to her and I didn't, I just thought we were friends. I didn't even realize that we'd party together and it hit me and i remembered and i remembered the stuff that she did and that was she was one of those girls like that she's on my friends list now on facebook <laughs> I, yeah i didn't even know who she was i didn't remember her until she told me the story and i was like oh my god that was you oh shit! And she, yeah and she was she was a, a waitress at one of the clubs that we played and you know a good girl you know had moved there from like savannah was there going to college and then she'd work and save her money and you know, all those girls, no matter how prim and proper they are, there's one or two dudes in these bands, these long-haired dudes, all ripped and looking good, and spinning their hair. One or two that can get those girls. Yeah. There's always one or two.
2: Uh huh.
1: And I, I just happened to be that guy a couple times. So you know, that that just it just happens. So I mean, if they would curtail alcohol, that would solve a lot of issues. I think.
0: Yeah. 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 Honestly, man, uh, that had to feel really good because there's a like, y- like, y- like you talk about drug addictions and alcohol addictions. I mean, sex addiction is that like, like, and that is a that is a real kind of confidence booster, right? What to be in a band, go to this place, and it seems okay. like it, like, it just seems like a magnet in a way.
1: Yeah, when I started playing music and going on the road and everything, I didn't even know you did that. I thought you just played guitar. I didn't didn't know you got famous, anything like that. I just I mean, I knew there was famous people, yeah, but yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't have any idea. And when I started playing in a band and going on the road and getting laid and everything, I, I didn't <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize you know yeah. that that's what you did. And I, and yeah, you're right, you know, if you're in a band. It's a dick. And thing. we weren't we weren't even famous. The the most well-known band I played with well, I played with Doc Holiday for a while. They were they were actually they had albums out and stuff. But Corilla Deville got pretty big and and you know we we had you know friends, girls, friends we made in every different city we played, and it was never an issue. There was always one or a hundred. I mean, there's been you know, you could go back to the motel room and there's forty girls in the motel room. They're not all gonna want to. Yeah. Have sex with you, but you can walk through there and go, "Are you down? Are you down?" Are you yeah, down? yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all, and... y'all gotta leave, y'all stay. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, that's how, just like shopping for, you know, damn hot dogs, you know, damn.
0: That's but, crazy. yeah,
1: and we weren't famous.
0: <laughs> that's wild, and 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 does that shit still happen, or is that a product of the '80s?
1: I'm sure it still happens for somebody. I, I'm in a for one of the first times in my life. I'm in a great relationship with a great chick. Um, I don't sport fuck, you know, a lot of guys, you know, on the road do that stuff, but I don't. Uh, and plus, even if I was single, I, I you know, to be honest with you, I, I did that stuff for a long, 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 long time. I just, I don't have any interest in, you know, I just, I want to be, I want to be funny on stage. I want to be professional to the people who book me when I play music. I want to be fast and clean and sound good and singing, I don't, there's no room in my life for getting drunk or getting laid, but you know, every now and then still at a show, there'll be somebody who comes up drunk and goes, Hey, you don't go back to the motel, go back to the motel, hang out. You know, I, I still get that. Yeah. Just exactly like that.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that, that was really spot on there. Yeah. You, you've definitely hey, seen a, a lot comedian.
2: of it. What? Yeah, right, right.
0: Yep. Yep. Wow, man. Yeah, it's uh, well, that's like two different lifestyles to be a to be a touring musician and to be a touring comedian. I would imagine that a comedian doesn't necessarily get that kind of attention as much because it depends a, on the comedian. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Like, depends on how well the person carries themselves and how confident they are. And um, there's yeah, but yeah, because, you know, like, like I just watched for the first time not that long ago, Wayne's World. and Oh, yeah. I've never, like, I'd never seen Wayne's World. And when I, when I, when I asked you to come on the podcast, like you give me Wayne, Wayne vibes. Like you give me Wayne's World vibes in like the, and, and cause I love that movie now. I'm so, I can't believe I went 28 years without seeing Wayne's World, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I don't know where I was going with that, but, um,
1: I, 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 it's because I come from the same era where he's, uh, you know, he, of course he's, you know, making a joke of it. And of course he's, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's making it more than what it is. But yeah, I come from that Wayne's world era where, where we had, you know, hot girls and nice guitars and, oh, Stratocaster with the whammy bar. You know, we, <laughs> you know, we, that's what I, that's, that's the period I come from.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm also a little nervous to watch Wayne's world too. Have you seen the second one?
1: I'm not sure. I don't think so.
0: And if you did, you weren't sober. <laughs>
1: well, see, if it goes back nine years, because I, I remember, I remember saying to Beth not long ago, I was like, have we seen this movie? She goes, that movie came out like 12 years ago. Of course you saw it. And I said, well, I was still drinking 12 years ago, so there's a good chance I saw it and don't remember it. Wow. So that's alcoholism for you. That's
0: crazy. Yeah, see, I am i don't know. I'm a little hesitant to watch the second one because it's like that, that. that first movie is just such a beautiful... I don't know. It's just such a beautiful thing in and of itself. It's like, but you know, then, uh, recently there's been a lot of, um, uh, like, like they, like they had a commercial, like they have a commercial out. It's like you'll play a YouTube video and it'll pop up and it'll be Mike Myers and Dana Carvey as uh Wayne and Garth. And, uh, so they're definitely coming back and I wouldn't be surprised similar to like Bill and Ted. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a third movie one of these days. <laughs>
1: I looked at the IMDb for that. Uh-huh. Um, IMDb is uh, what you get when I have I have IMDb. Uh, it's it's a credit that you get that means that you are on a real TV show or real movie. Ooh. and yeah, you can look up anybody's name, Bruce Willis, all the way down to me, and it'll pull my. You just you, you just type in Doug Caney IMDb, and it'll show you my credits for movies and stuff I was in, and um and I looked at it for that just randomly the other day. And man, those guys got like 25 million a piece for that.
0: For, for what?
1: For that commercial. No shit. No shit. Damn. They got paid in payments. They got paid in installments. Yeah.
0: All right. Hold on. Now, now you've piqued my interest. Uh, yeah. Doug, <laughs> Doug. Well, no, like I'm looking you up. Like, I don't give get. Yeah. A look shit. me up. Doug look Canny. Up.
1: IMDB. International Movie Database.
0: Oh, yeah. I. I know all about it like i i definitely use it quite a lot but i'm sure there's somebody out there that's like I D B. all right here we are <laughs> the first one i don't know i can't see it oh it's too small no
1: uh, it should have uh it should uh be me lonely and my ben. bud
0: and lonely ben
1: yeah uh, yeah me and my bud is one is a sequel to bong water jack black was in the first one and uh the the two brothers uh greg uh owen and uh what's his name uh blonde headed guy I don't owen know. him and his brother yeah the first one was good the first one had the big stars and the second one that i was in did <laughs>
0: are, wait hold on are you talking about owen wilson
1: owen wilson yeah yeah,
0: yeah. oh okay nice nice oh wow you played Rod.
1: yeah there. like i said the one that we were in it wasn't the same but there's some cool trailers of that movie with me i played an indian gay gangster
0: an Indian gay gangster.
1: Indian gay gangster, you smell good. You smell good. And that's only Let's in, least.
0: that's amazing. That's in 2013. So that's amazing yeah. that you were able to, uh, you know, because with cancel culture nowadays, like, good luck doing shit like that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get crucified for it. Yeah. You know what's funny is I do a lot of uh, Pride Week stuff. They always hire me every year. And I actually do some, some, some LG, LGBTQ humor. And they never are mad at me because I'm not mean about it. I I do stuff why I don't understand it, stuff like that. Like my karate teacher was gay. After five years of taking karate lessons, I got me a rainbow belt. You know, what I mean, just just little stuff like that. You know, the hardest belt, the hardest belt to earn was that brown belt. I'm still I'm still in pain for that. But uh, you know, just just little stuff like that. And man, I've never had any issues with them. They've been, you know, they've they treat me like gold. They pay me great. We wow. we have we have a whole group of. Uh, they're they they're, they're all you know wives and husbands and all that that we go to every thanksgiving we go and have uh thanksgiving with them beth and i do yeah yeah i mean they're they're there's they're not canceled they're not like that at all but i mean if you say some some insensitive shit you deserve to be you know yeah
0: yeah for sure yeah
1: you know, so yeah but uh but you're right the the um,
0: <laughs> that
1: that with the asian stuff that's going on and all that i'm sure it wouldn't go over very good today oh man so.
0: But, you know, it's, ah, I don't know. I've definitely talked a lot about it on the podcast. It's just, you know, I feel like it's a case-by-case kind of thing. And But, I mean, dear God, it's just, I feel like so many people are, are, are just way too sensitive. And I'm talking broad, like broad. Like, if you're going to zero in and be a dick to somebody specifically, okay, now that's sort of a whole different thing. But I'm talking broadly. Like, you can make jokes about the gay community, like, uh, in a broad sense. I think it's fine. If... And I don't know, maybe I don't have the right to say that because I'm not gay, but as a straight guy, you you, I think you have the right to make jokes about any kind of community and 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 to do it in in a tongue in cheek kind of way. You know,
1: absolutely. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to say something derogatory and, you know, you're going to call gay people faggots and stuff like that, you deserve any bad treatment you get. OK, if you're going to be that way then I think that because that's a really hurtful term. It's just like saying the N word to black people. So I I think that deserves it. But I mean, if you're just going to make like, I make jokes about it because it's, it's, I feel, I mean, when I meet somebody that's gay and I find out accidentally that they are, I'm embarrassed. I feel like I did something wrong. You know, it's like, uh, and this is a story. I don't tell it on stage, but um, I was in O'Reilly. I'm a mechanic. I work on my motorcycle, my truck. I was in O'Reilly. And I was getting a part for my Dodge truck. And I'm sitting there talking to this dude. He's like 6'4, 265 pounds. Just one of those kind of guys that's born big. You know, he was masculine. You know, this guy's, I mean, like, just a big dude. I think both his parents were men. But anyway, so <laughs> we're we're sitting there and we're talking, and um, and I told him, I said, Yeah, you know, the trailer hitch on my truck is too small. I need to get something bigger because I want to get a trailer for my bike. And he was like, Yeah, well, I got the Dodge F 350, and we got the seven-ton hitch. And I said, I said, that's kind of what I need. I'll be perfect. He said, yeah, you know, when my husband brings the boat around, I have a lot of trouble hooking it up. And when he said that, I went, I mean, it it wasn't that I was, it bothered me. It just, it, I wasn't ready. You know, it was like I was off guard. And 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 the guy, the guy just, he had like a, a mechanic shirt mm-hmm. on, a cat diesel hat on. He was just the the opposite of of the stereotypical you know, gay guy that you got going, Jesus Christ, Andre, where's the, the hors d'oeuvres? That's what you think when you say, you know, you don't think I need a seven ton trailer hitch on my Dodge Ram. You don't think, <laughs> you don't think that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but you know, it's, it's a, I, you're right. It's a touchy world out there.
0: Yeah, there's a, um, um, God, I, I definitely want to play this really quick. Cause this is, I think this is my favorite, uh, this is my all time favorite SNL. Uh, monologue and oh it's right here it's it's right here it's uh louis ck and think what you might think about him i don't know like if he's if big he's, fan big fan okay some people would be like "Ill louis ck
1: oh i know yeah <laughs> uh
0: you know but i think this is the strongest snl monologue just because it is so ballsy and i and, edgy yeah edgy i think i would be surprised if he if he prior to going on stage had any of this approved like if he actually had this approved i don't know but here it is right here and hold on let me uh let me share the screen so you can at least join me in in viewing this here we go uh there we go this is so good
3: Thank you very much for being here. This is the uh, 40th year of this show's existence, and this is the finale. So I'm very honored, honestly, to be asked to host it. So thanks, and I'm glad you guys are here. Um, yeah, it's fine. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I was born in 1967. And so I grew up in the 70s. So I'm not racist. <laughs> <laughs> However, <laughs> I do have mild racism. It's the best I could do coming out of the '70s because that was a very racist decade. People said racist things all the time, and nobody got offended. The only time somebody got offended if you said something racist in the '70s is when they would then say, "Like, hey, I, you interrupted me. I was saying something racist. Why did you?" But I... so I have mild racism. It's benign. It's not aggressive. It's not even negative racism, it's mild racism. I'll give you an example, okay? Like, see, like if I go uh, to a a pizza place I've never been to before, and it's run by four black women, I'll go like, hmm, (laughs) it seems very mild. It's extremely mild racism. I'll notice that, You don't usually see that, four black women running a pizza place. Unless, Unless it's called four black girls pizza or something like that, like that's the whole point of the place. Mild. Here's another example of mild racism. If I say I'm in a hospital and the doctor comes in to treat me and the doctor's from China or India, I'll think, well, good, good. <laughs> good, more of that, why not? It's very mild racism. Here's another example. If I'm in a gas station late at night and uh, a, young, a young man comes in wearing a hooded sweatshirt, if he's white, I'll think, oh, he's an athlete. If he's black, unless he has a big smile on his face, then I become mildly racist, and this is what I think. I think, that's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Nothing's gonna happen. No, of course, I'm fine. Why did I even think that for a second? because I was I was raised in the '70s. The '70s were a very different time. The '70s, everything was different in the '70s than it is now. Except the Middle East is exactly the same. It's exactly the same as it was in the '70s. It's been the same fights, and you know what? It's boring now. That's the worst part of it. When I was a kid, we were like, "Ugh!" But you can't go like this for like a thousand years. After a while, when you fight, people don't care because when you're just both, you just keep fighting. Everybody's like, "Those guys are dicks. They just fight. That's what it's like." You know, like I. Have I have two kids and they fight sometimes and when they first start fighting I get concerned I go in the room I'm like hey what's going on what's wrong why are we having some feelings <laughs> Can we, can we listen to each other, please? Can we please just listen to each other? Okay, you go first, and then she goes, she's like. Hmm, <laughs> yeah, that sounds hard. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, okay, now you. Because <laughs> I like this one a little more, so I'm I make
2: it. <laughs>
3: And they work it out, you help them work it out. But if they keep fighting, you stop doing that. After a while, you just go in the room and you just go, hey, just shut up, fuck you, you're both wrong. Because you won't stop fighting, you're in a family, there's other people in this family and you're being a couple of selfish little bitches that won't fix anything. You share a room, we can't afford another room, so just deal with it. Somehow this has to do with Israel and Palestine. I don't know exactly. I don't remember how. Kids are like Israel and Palestine. And I'm like America. The little one's like Palestine because she always gets screwed. She gets the worst deals. She's like, she threw a rock at my face. I'm like, you're fine. Look, you have a great life. You get to take a rock to the face once in a while, you're fine. The older one is like Israel. She comes up to me, she burnt all my dolls. I'm like, look, I can't do anything about it right now. Your sister is crazy. Please don't make me talk to her. I'll work it out, you and me, okay? We'll go out, I'll buy you a really cool missile, and you do whatever you want. Totally up to you. were very different when in the 70s there was a child molester that lived in my hometown
0: this is the best part And it
3: wasn't a big deal it was like we caught a child molester. it was just like yeah that's the house where the child molester lives <laughs> he lives where. hey kids be, don't be stupid or you'll get molested just stay away <laughs> from the child molester house i know because he did something to me when i was your age so just stay away
2: from the child molester
3: house we really did we had a town child molester his name was jean baptiste this is a true story <laughs> He liked teenage boys. That's when you would find out, because I was a teenage boy. He didn't like me. I, was, I felt a little bad.
0: <laughs>
3: like, not, not you. He wasn't, he, didn't, he wasn't into me. But he would drive up next to teenage boys, and he'd say, uh, hello, would you like to go to McDonald's? And you're like, no. And he's like, why well, you don't like McDonald's? And then you're trapped, because of course, everybody liked McDonald's. It was the 70s. <laughs> And then I had one friend who used to get in the car. He'd be like, sure, I'll go, and he'd get in the car. He'd go to McDonald's and eat a burger, and then he'd say, see ya, and he'd just take off. And Jean-Baptiste was like, I did not get the exact child. And he'd spoil it again. But he'd always try, maybe this time. Because child molesters are very tenacious people. They love molesting childs, it's crazy. It's like their favorite wow. thing. I mean, when you, it's, it's so crazy, because when you consider the risk in being a child molester, speaking not of even the damage you're doing, but the risk, there is no worse life available to a human than being a caught child molester. And yet they still do it, which from, you can only really surmise that it must be really good. I mean, from <laughs> there, there no. From their point of view, it must be amazing. For them to risk so much. (laughs) How do you think I feel? It's my last show, probably. (laughs) Because. Look, I can't key into it because I love Mounds Bars. I love Mounds Bars. It's my favorite thing, right? But there's a limit. I mean, I, I can't even eat a Mounds Bar and do something else at the same time. That's how much I love them. Like if I'm eating a mouse bar, I can't read the paper, like, hmm.
2: Mm.
3: I have to just sit there with it in my mouth and go, why is this so good? I love this so much. B- and because they are delicious. And yet, if somebody said to me, if you eat another mouse bar, you'll go to jail and everybody will hate you, I would stop eating them. Because they do taste delicious, but they don't taste as good as a young boy does, and shut it <coughs> to a child monster, not to me. <laughs>
1: right, that was we amazing we got, we got a great show tonight Rihanna
0: is here hey Rihanna because you mentioned Rihanna hey Nuno was
1: that Nuno played that gig because I've seen this before Nuno played that that night really yeah yeah you ever get a chance uh uh we ever get a chance go back and, and watch that
0: Oh, for sure. So what, he's yeah. so he's in Rihanna's band?
1: Yeah, if that came out two or three years ago, which I think it did, he yeah. was in Rihanna's band for like six years.
0: <clears throat> it says, let's see here, let me uh, get out of the full screen. It says that this is, well, this is the 40th anniversary, so this was, let me see here, this is 2015.
1: Oh, yeah, he was there. Wow. He was there.
0: Tell me that wasn't yeah. great, though. Tell that me- was
1: amazing, yeah. And, you know, I've seen that bit that before. And I remember the first time I saw it, um, and I wasn't where I am now with stand-up, I I was blown away. I was like, wow, it was was great, it's funny. And it's just his, the way he juggles that like a hot potato just is just masterful, man.
0: Now, see, because I'm not very familiar with what happened afterwards, but he's had some shit in in the subsequent years, um, like in his personal life. So oh, I know it only kind of makes that a little more cringy. Um, but just from an artistic standpoint, that is like you said, like <clears throat> that that's a beautiful way to describe it, how he's juggling a hot potato because he says some stuff and then you can hear the audience. You hear the audience and you probably like if they turn the camera on Lorne Michaels, he's probably going, what the fuck? He did not I, approve this.
1: I don't. I don't, I don't know. In, in a way. In a way, I think that they may have let him do that and known about it because uh, Saturday Night Live comes on at 1130 at night. Um, so they get away a little bit more, and and I and they're so cutting edge. And that was the last show. I think maybe possibly maybe he did share it with them wow. because that's a serious. And, and, you know, another thing is, uh, and and I I don't know Louie. Um, we work some of the same clubs. He comes to Florida. He was just in Tampa last week. Um, Louie. It was well-known uh, among the girls that Louie liked to to do that. It was well-known for really? a long time.
0: Yeah, see, like, that's – so that's interesting that if it's well-known among girls that most of them are just keeping their mouths shut.
1: Yeah, I heard about it. Where did I hear about it? I heard about it – I think I was uh, – if I'm not mistaken, I was – I think I was either at Coconuts or uh, I was somewhere in St. Pete when I heard about it. And I remember um, getting in touch with a friend of mine, a, a girl that I know that's that's been in the business 30 years. I'm not going to mention her name. Uh, but she's a big-time comic that lives down here, and she's a good friend of mine. And I, I messaged her. I said, did you hear anything about this? And she goes, oh, hell yeah. She goes, "That's that's been well-known. Everybody knows that. So I was like, well, I didn't know," you know. So he obviously... And from what I heard, he would just ask them, hey, can I do this? And, you know, most of them would say, are you kidding? And he would just whip it out and do it. Wow. You know? Damn. It, it is a form of control, though. I mean, if you know anything about psychology, you know, I'm sure it was very sexual because it turned him on that he was doing it in front of somebody, but it's considering where he is in life and where he is in comedy, doing that is, is a form of of is controlling you. Yeah. you know and then the girls you know he knew that he wouldn't nobody's going to say anything
0: but he's coming back cuz like you just said he's he was just in tampa not that long ago so he's not totally canceled he's not so like like he's not bill cosby oh no yeah 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 yeah,
1: yeah bill cosby is he's a monster he's done he's yeah, done and that was well known too
0: which is weird that's weird yeah. that that was yeah. well known
1: well, you got to understand about the, the bill thing's really easy to understand. Uh, he is an icon. He's African-American. He's, he's, you know, he's the America's dad. Uh, unbelievably fantastic comedian. When he came to, when I first moved to Florida, he did a show at, uh, uh, in St. Pete. Well, is that Clearwater um, uh, or Ruth Eckert Hall or something? He did one locally and uh, he did two hours, 45 minutes. And just slayed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, he he
1: did he did an hour of crowd work before he even started a show. I mean, he's just that good.
0: So and, he uh, so so crowd work is sort of like, from my understanding, like that would be like an opening act.
1: Yeah, instead okay. of him having a feature. Okay. That's that's how it goes. It goes, you know, you got your MC. He starts a show, maybe a guest or two, then your feature act that does twenty five or thirty minutes, then your headliner that does forty five minutes or an hour louie always does 90 he does when he headlines down here he does 90 minutes so you know i do an hour when i headline just because that's all the time i get uh but uh yeah he would do hours and hours and he was just fantastic but it was well known that uh any any you know hannibal burris is the one who called who 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 called him out and got him in trouble hannibal's he's a great comic too yeah yeah and uh but the girl who got what's that girl's name i can't remember her name i want to say it was uh i want to say it was the was uh the cancer the chick who's got cancer what's her name oh what's her name she's a little short skinny girl uh but she's the one that called out louie and she's the one that got the heat on him yeah and I, i'm tick uh, Tig the taro okay yeah All she's right. the one that got that i think she was but um and she was doing a show with him too, like he was ex executive producer on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that that's just a horrible thing, and that's the only people I can think of. I can't think of anybody else that I've heard that about or know about.
0: Well, to kind of segue, because this just popped into my head, it it, it it's something that's obviously a like an issue in a, like a lot of other fields, but especially when it comes to comedians, there's not a whole lot of super prolific. Female comedians, like it's mostly would like. Would you agree that it's uh like seventy percent, if not more, male driven kind of, uh career.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and seventy percent is 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 giving it a lot more than it used to be. There, there wasn't a lot of uh female comics that were out there hitting the road making a living out of it. There's there's a lot more now. Uh, and but there's yeah the I I'm of the camp that i love female comedians there's some of them that are f- unbelievable funny a lot some guys are assholes oh women can't be funny there's no funny girl comedians that's not true there's 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 a truckload of them out there pretty much pretty much every female comic that i work with is great there's mm-hmm. a new girl a young girl from right around here named morgan gallo she's only been doing it about a year she's freaking hilarious she opened for me a couple weeks ago and then this Saturday, I'm doing a show, and um, I, and I wanted to talk about this show Saturday, but it sold out. <laughs> it's in Fort, it's in Fort Pierce at uh, at uh, it's in Fort Pierce at uh, Black Box Theater. It's for uh, it's a benefit for Eric Myers, who tragically lost his life a couple weeks ago in Texas. He's a pretty well known comedian, worked at the Comedy Store. Okay, uh, he died, and there's uh like ten of us doing a big show. It's and it's a it's a it's an auditorium, you know, it's a big. And uh, I'm doing that show Saturday, but I, she's not on that show. But I, will, she's on another one I'm doing recently. But there's a bunch of this female comedians all around in Jacksonville, and and St. Augie that are
0: great. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good to hear because it's definitely something that, and you know, besides your, uh, to like to go back to SNL. I mean, obviously, you, you, you like the like, the people that come from SNL, those are like your like your highlights. Your Kristen Wiggs, your your uh, Tina Fey's, your you know, uh, uh, Leslie Jones. Yeah, but um, they're not comedians. They're improv. They're, they're not improv. comedians. Yeah,
1: yeah. The, a comedian, a stand-up comic, and an improv comic are two totally different things. It's like the difference in a bull shark and a dolphin. You know, they're both fast and do this and do that, but they're completely different. uh Improv comics like Jim Belushi... You know he was a, you know he was a like Chris Farley. They're they're improv comics. Okay. You know stand up is like Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, you know stuff like that. Uh, but those there's a few of them on Saturday Night Live that are comics.
0: I was gonna say like you know? wouldn't like Adam Sandler. Kristen
1: Wiig. Oh yeah, yeah. Kristen Wiig is yeah, she's great. And then what's the other one? There was another one that was on there that's an unbelievable stand up comedian. I can't remember what her name was. I can't remember. But
0: there's a bunch of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. And that's I I think like that's the for the for the general public. That's like really where it kind of starts and maybe unfortunately ends. And uh, but it's but it's really good to hear that uh, because I mean you you get out there, you know, you see what a lot of people don't see. So the fact that you say that there are a lot of female comedians uh, coming up here and it's uh, it's really good to hear. And I hate that mindset that women can't do that, you know, or, or, or they aren't as funny, you know,
1: there's a, there's a, there's a, I won't say it's prevalent, but there's, there's quite a few guys out there, uh, that will just flat out post it on Facebook. There's no funny girls. Yeah. There's no funny comedians and I'll call them out. I don't care who they are. I'll tell them, I'll say, Oh yeah. Are you funny? Do you tour? Do you, do you have an agent? You know, have you written a joke? Mm -hmm. And if they say yes, they have or whatever, I'll just post a little post a little video on their site of somebody, like Helen Keaney or somebody like that who kicks ass every time they get, you know. Helen Keaney, she's on the uh, shopping channel. She's been a comedian for thirty years. She she worked at the comedy store and uh, all those she worked in New York City and all those kind of places and she's she's killer. I've worked with her twelve times.
0: Now here's the obligatory COVID talk. How did that affect what you do?
1: Lost everything. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had bookings, Pennsylvania, Texas, Connecticut, everywhere. Lost every single one of them.
0: And are they and, rescheduled um, or just gone?
1: Gone. Wow. Some of the places I was going to play are closed now because they're just not there anymore. Yeah. Um, it's we're you know it's starting to pick back up. I mean, I've had work. I work for Gig Salad now. That's a national booking agency, and all you got to do is just pay them a percentage of your. You know, they don't charge you. No, no agents really charge you a flat rate. They get a percentage of what work they get you. And Gig Salad is, na- is a national company. And what they do is you register with them. Uh, they get most people to pay them a little money, but I got lucky. Uh, they just happened to know me and know I was in this area. So a couple of years ago, they gave me a gig. It was like a $300 gig. Uh, they made 45 bucks off of it. And I said, well, if you get me one more gig, I'll, I'll pay for it for the year. Um, gotcha. they got me another gig. It was a $500 gig. And when I went to pay him, the guy said, look, I'll make you a deal. He said, I'll give you five years for free. If you just keep doing good shows and you keep, keep doing the shows. I was like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you got really good feedback on your page. Everybody loves you. You're real quick off the cuff with these living room shows. He said, we'll give you five years for free. You just, you just keep doing a good job. I said, okay. Mm. I mean, I got to pay a percentage, but I don't have yeah, to yeah. pay them the, hundred and seventy eight fifty or whatever it is a year yeah it's not that much you know
0: yeah the the whole thing with covid yeah, the the comedy store right like that's the that's the one in in california la la and are they coming back or is that they're bouncing back
1: yeah they'll be back um okay the, of course you know they they can't open when they can only have 20 percent capacity or 30% capacity, they, they can't open. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure when they're going to open again, and I'm not sure if they got like just the belly room open or, or if they're just opening part of it. But I I've heard that it's starting to open back up. And, um, some of the places that I was booking, uh, up north are starting to open up and I sent, I've sent in the last three weeks, I've sent out about 15 press kits. So that's pretty good. That's 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 a good sign. Mm-hmm.
0: And you don't have a you don't have someone that kind of will will. What's the word I'm looking for here? You're uh, kind man- of like like a manager. Yeah, yeah.
1: Right. Uh, I don't have anybody that manages me. I have like six booking ages. I work for Comedy Zone. Okay. I work for Funny Business. You know, I work for Hysterical out of Cincinnati. I work for pretty much everybody that nobody's worked for. so and i I, I say that proudly i'm not saying that like i'm mad about it or anything i mean uh i i i want to my next step up is late night that's my next step um and that's what i'm i'm trying to get back to tv um i would gotten in with a tv agent right before covid um and then that didn't you know i'm not going to pay them for that so you know, I'm still waiting on that. My agent, my TV agent is in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's Talent One uh, Ann and Rudy Green. They're the ones that got me my commercials and got me all the stuff. But I don't live in North Carolina anymore. There's more TV shows and movies shot in North Carolina than any other state right now.
0: North Carolina, not even Georgia.
1: Georgia's maybe Georgia is now, too, but it was north carolina it was wilmington the wilmington area and and, and south carolina but yeah george is you're right george is uh, ch- is catching up
0: yeah for sure yeah yeah it's definitely interesting cuz you know no one saw any of this coming and so for someone like you like this is your living and it's so it's like you know you don't you don't plan for a pandemic right nobody plans now, for a comedy club to shut down we think this is something like walt disney world that's going to always be open you know
1: that's a good analogy too and here's the thing with my level comic and and there's a lot of comics on my level and above it of course but my level is i'm 300 a night when i go to a a comedy club i get 300 bucks normally and a room and a meal if i'm there for the week you know that's pretty good that's not happening right now when i do uh private gigs four or five hundred a night Uh, once in a great while, I'll get a festival or a big, or I'll get a, um, a corporate gig. That's 1200 to 2,500. Just depends. I haven't had one of those in a long time. Uh, so, you know, with me traveling around the country, you don't get any money for travel. You don't get any gas money. No, at my level, you don't get any airfare. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, COVID, uh, if it hadn't been, you know, for me having a, you know, a, a fiance and me being able to play some music and, 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 you know, do some other things on the side. I was, I was shut down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, but you know, it's good to hear that it's bouncing back. And, 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 and again, I've been to a lot of these places. I've been to the, the one, the, like the one in Jacksonville that I, that I said I saw Dave Coulier at that's like a family friendly one, isn't it?
1: No, it was adult humor. They just have family friendly shows. On the, you'll, you, it's really easy to pick those shows out. It'll say right on the flyer. It'll say, uh, uh it'll say all ages, family fun," or it'll say "PG 13 or "adult show." So you probably went to a family friendly one.
0: Yeah, well, because be well, because Dave Coulier is only he doesn't do any kind of explicit stuff, and it, it it's it's definitely an interesting thing because you think that we're so used to hearing comedians with like filthy mouths, right? and i think that's the stigma that a lot of people have towards a comedian like unless you're dropping an f bomb every other joke or talking about dicks and 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 <laughs> you know like we think there's no way you can be funny and putting aside the fact that i was you know kind of starstruck from the fact that he's he's in one of my favorite shows of all time full house he actually was genuinely funny, and he never once cursed, and it kind of blew me away. I was like, "Wow, you can actually be funny and not have to rely on vulgarity."
1: Yeah, I'm not dirty either. I mean, I do PG thirteen, so uh, I'll drop an f bomb if I'm in a bar, tough some tough biker bar, working, or if I if I'm working in some place where the three comedians in front of me talked about, you know, sex with donkeys and stuff like that. You know, I might drop an f bomb here or there, but I don't talk about. You know real dirty stuff i don't do anything political um you know i'm not chauvinistic or racist i'm just a dumb country boy and that's what i talk about
0: do you feel like you're maybe missing like um uh like how do i phrase this like you're maybe missing potential revenue because you are pg-13 nope i'm making more really
2: yeah,
1: I'm making more money. Yeah, well, well, because sort people of, take one look at me and they think I'm dirty, and I'm not. You know,
0: so well that's sort of like the like the whole argument of you know making a movie R-rated. When you make a movie R-rated, you're supposedly losing a lot of your box office revenue because you're you know like the limitations on the audience that can come see it. Uh, so that I guess applies to you as well. Like if you're if you're an explicit comic, you're probably going to have a a lesser crowd in terms of just the like the numbers.
1: Depends on the circuit you're on. Depends on where you're working and what you want to get out of the business. I, from day one, I wanted to make money. From day one, I wanted to yeah. be on TV. I, from day one, I, I it had to make money. I had to do it for a living because I couldn't learn doing it for fun. You know, you, you have to get better every time you get on stage. And um, that's really hard to gauge when you first start because everybody sucks just like I did. It takes, it takes a couple of years just to kind of figure out. Two or three years just to kind of get a cadence, just to figure out how to go. Then it takes four or five years to become consistent. And then after you've been doing it six or seven years, you should consistently be, you know, even on the tough nights, you're not going to bomb. And I've gotten to where, you know, I have three or four different hours, different show. So, I mean, if I'm having trouble with one thing, I'll shift gears. When you first start, you should never shift gears. So, I mean, when I first started, I had to be palatable. If someone said, Hey, we want you to do a show. It's 400 bucks. Can't say fuck. I'm like, no problem. (laughs) No problem. You know, uh, we, we want, this is a show we're doing. We got it all week, but you can't talk about this. You can't do this. You can't do that. No problem. You know, I, I never had an issue with it.
0: So if I were to, can I put you on the spot here or no? Sure. Always. Can I try to do that thing that you said that, uh, Robin Williams was so good at what, what? Yeah. Where, like, I give you three words and you just kind of run with it? Sure. Oh, wow. I love how open you are to this. Ah, hey, you know what?
1: If I suck, I suck. It's just, uh, it's just how life is, you know?
0: <laughs> all right, so what, like objects or just, like, anything? There's no rules, buddy. You make the rules. <laughs> um, all right, I'm, I'm looking around. I'm, like, I'm I'm trying to take it in. All right, so, uh, uh, Sharpie, uh, C-Grant. Oh, no, no, Sharpie, Shock Top, and Apple. Like uh, like like the company Apple.
1: Oh, no, I got a dirty one first. Uh, I, I took a sharpie one time when I was still a drinker, and what I do is I painted uh painted my testicles all black and the top of my penis black, and then I went up to my girlfriend and masturbated and I said, uh, I said after I got off, I said, I am your father. <laughs> so that's Baz's dirty one. So that's what I was gonna say. Sure.
0: What The hell, man! You're not supposed that's to be a dirty. dirty. One. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> That's the only one I can remember with a Sharpie. What was the other one? What else?
0: Uh, I said shock top, like the beer
1: shock top. Like it, it depending on how much beer you drink, it can be very shocking. So, you know, it just <laughs> depends on how drunk you get, or how, you know, I, 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 the drunkest I ever, the shock drunkest I ever got in Myrtle beach. Uh, we drank absinthe one night and drank a bunch of beer. And uh-huh. I woke up in a motel room completely naked without my clothes in the room. I don't know how I got in the room, because I was not clothed whatsoever so that was shocking to the maids when I walked back to my room with a towel over me with no clothes (laughs) on I I still don't know how I got to that room with no clothes on what was the other what was the other? Apple 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 (laughs) Apple
0: like the company like Steve Jobs
1: oh oh yeah that's that's I have an Apple phone I'm talking to you on Apple phone it's weird that they named it after that fruit I mean why didn't they do office you know why didn't they you Know, I, I always think something banana would have been better, or let me see. Apple, yeah, it, it would be funny if that if all the phones were named after fruit. You know, he's got a nice apple. Look what he's got. He's got a nice guava, guava's kind of sexual. He's got a nice guava phone. Let's let's have the ring there. The ring would be, you know, I don't know. It would be something. So, <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. some hard ones, man. I'm sorry.
0: No, 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 you know, like, let me go
1: back to sharpies. Sharpies, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have any stories with sharpies. We have a lot of. We I, I know this much. If you draw something on somebody with a Sharpie, it's permanent. And when we were on the road with a band, if you were a roadie and you worked with us and you passed out, we would draw stuff on your face and not tell you. And then you'd walk around the next day. You've probably seen that with stuff all over your face and no one would know it. Yeah, you yeah. know, so
0: now now okay, so that was that like that was actually really impressive. Now when you tell a joke and you're shaking your head, no, it wasn't.
1: No, it wasn't. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well but like when you tell a joke, are you Because I don't know, like, well, you have so many, uh, like, more years on me, so you have a lot more experience, but are you somewhat fabricating? Are you just kind of, you know, coming up with the most absurd thing that you can come up with, or is there always a truth behind it?
1: With me and my off-the-cuff stuff, I do stuff, like, with people, and I do it in the middle. Like, when I'm talking to them, I don't just go up to their table i i learned a lesson about this a long time ago in vegas i don't just go up to somebody's table and go hey how you know what's your name what do you do wait i don't do that people work 40 hours a week 50 hours a week they bring their wife girlfriend boyfriend whatever they want to be entertained they don't want to be asked 40 50 questions so when i do my off-the-cuff stuff in the audience and i'm talking I, you know, i might go up to a guy with a weird looking hat on you know hey dude that's hey what's up where'd you get the hat oh you know, yeah how far did you chase in for that yada yada really how much was it 20 bucks you know, and you just, you go from there and you just talk. Usually they will fall into something. They'll say something weird, like, well, I actually stole the hat from my mom. Your mom wore that hat? Where does your mom work? Hooters? You know, I mean, you just, you just go from there. And and I've always been pretty good at it because when I'm on stage, I never, ever say anything mean to anybody in the audience. If somebody heckles me and says something super, super rude, I never mean with them. I always try to, you know, kind of turn it around and joke, I'm never, you know, there's nothing worse than going to see a comedian and he, somebody says something in the audience and they scream at him and say they want him to die of AIDS and stuff like that. I've seen a comic do that. And, and, you know, if somebody's heckling me in the audience, which usually on my shows, they don't have enough time in between laughter to heckle me. But if they do, I, I usually just bring them into the show and make friends with them. I've never had a problem where somebody heckled me and got up and walked out and was mad at me. Never. Yeah, it's never happened.
0: Yeah, it's you know it's really interesting the whole idea of um, going to a comedy club, seeing a like a stand up comedian or comedians uh, live in person, two, three, four, five, ten feet from you. It's so different than watching Comedy Central at your house you know, and there's a time and a place for that. And, you know, there's like, there's a beauty in that, like all these Netflix specials and everything you can watch at home. It's, but you can't beat the raw, just energy that you feel. And it's amazing. And I, it's one of my favorite things when people ask me, like, what do you like to do? And I have a lot of things I like to do. And one of them is go to comedy clubs and just see who, like, um, he, 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 I'm curious if you know him. He opened for Saget the one time I saw him. Like I've seen Bob Saget twice. He, uh, his name's Jonathan Ball.
1: Yeah, I know who he is. I'm not friends with him. I know who he is. Okay,
0: he yeah. like honestly he rivaled. Like I thought, wow, okay, he like I was. Bob Saget only got a pass because his name Bob Saget. Like this dude was insanely funny, and I would have. Honestly, if I wasn't just there for Bob Saget, I would have been like, like if it was some other comedian, I would be like, I don't want to see that guy. Like, I want to see more of him because, and it's a shame that he's just opening, you know? Featuring. Well, let let me share
1: share something with you. I I didn't want to say it earlier, but Bob Saget's not Uh
0: really,
1: Uh he's not, he's not really uh, a well-liked comedian among comedians. He tells dirty jokes. He tells dirty parlor jokes. That's all he does. He always talks um, about his dick. Yeah. And and it's just a a parlor joke is, you know, uh, a rabbi, a priest, and a fish walk into a bar. That's the kind of jokes, you know, he's a, he's a parlor joke. The ball guy, he's a stand up comic. He's a guy who writes tours works, you know, and, and the thing, the good thing about Saget is Saget likes guys like me. Saget will help guys like me. So that's the good thing about Bob. He made it, you know, he, he got a TV show in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties. And, he did the best with it. You got to give him credit. You can't be mad at him for that.
0: Yeah. Wait, are you talking about Full House? Whatever it was that he was in. Yeah, it was Full House and that's the late 80s, 87 it started.
1: Yeah, he got he got um discovered at the comedy store.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh that's yeah, wow. So it's just yeah. really it's just really his name and the and and the and the nostalgia a big part of it, huh?
1: I guess he does a tour every year. He um I was going to work with him uh down at um at rose seafood in in bonita springs at uh at uh it's called uh uh no oh god off the hook i was gonna work with him at off the hook comedy I, i worked with uh alonzo bowden and some other and chris katane i opened for him and i did the whole week with chris and uh from saturday night live oh yeah i was gonna yeah the owner screwed me for a few hundred bucks and i don't work there anymore okay but uh but yeah, you know Saget works there, so I was going to work with him, and uh, he was on my calendar. But I never get to the gig. But he he looks out for everybody, even his opening guys. Uh, he'll go and slip them, you know, four or five hundred bucks at the end of the week, even after they get paid from the club. He'll go okay. slip them some extra money. Yeah, he's a good guy. You know.
0: Yeah. So he's just uh, maybe. Well, I mean, do you think there's a level of jealousy that comes with this too? Like the fact that he is like he can sort of ride. This, you know what I mean? Like he's, he, he is riding. like, let's be hundred percent real here. Half the people that go to see his shows aren't really there to see a guy tell a joke. They're there because he played Danny Tanner on an incredibly popular <laughs> show that just makes them feel good. And I'm speaking because this is the reason I went and we're seeing him on stage do something else. I'm not necessarily yeah. there because he's a comedian.
1: Uh, you got the numbers wrong. I think you're 90% are there because of that okay and 10% are there because when i when i found out that he was a stand up comic i never knew that i i found out he was a stand up comic maybe in 2008 i never knew he did stand up wow yeah i never knew i just knew he was an actor you know so yeah. that's how well known he was and but see you know like i said i i didn't aspire to do comedy i didn't study comedians i didn't do anything until i started doing it that's why i feel like i have a unique perspective on this business because i'm still a fan yeah you know i'm just a big fan of stand-up and now that i do it and and i think like a comedian i'm constantly writing i'm constantly you know working on stuff and and that's what that's what comedians lose after they do it for 10 20 30 years they lose that ability to be hungry and to be and to you know always be creative i mean i'm 100 percent wet i'm writing constantly Oh, Maybe. okay. I thought you yeah. were going
0: to just leave it at that and be like, <laughs>
1: that was good. That was good. I'm going to need, I'm going to need your avails for next month. I'm going to take you on the road with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always, that's what we do. We write constantly, only a small portion of it makes it to the stage. Yeah. And um, the longer you do it, the more, you know, what's funny that you can make funny. So, you know,
0: so, you know, I, um, so I'm holding a deck of cards because I, uh, uh, I'm a, like a magician, sort of, by uh, just passion. Like I love magic, and um, I have worked at a couple magic shops uh, in Florida. And uh, there's a guy in Canada. His name's Jay Sankey, and uh, he used to be a stand-up comic, and that, and now he's a professional magician, and he just creates magic but there was a time in between transitioning from a just a stand-up co- like com- uh, comedian to a uh, magician where he would do both in his show and he has a really interesting story over how it just didn't work because he would do something surreal with a deck of cards and then he would crack a joke and the audience did not know how to perceive because they were still like astonished by what they saw with the deck of cards and to undercut it he said with a joke didn't work and he tried so like hard for so many years to try to incorporate magic and comedy into the into the to the act and i'm sure like have you seen any of that on the road like have you seen these guys that try to be like a stand-up magician or like have you seen magic try to present itself at comedy clubs
1: i've opened up for a shitload of comedy uh magicians. magicians in vegas and uh atlantic city and uh in uh, Albuquerque New Mexico uh, I opened up for a dog a dog show once in Vegas the guy had the guy had a spare poodle I mean he the, uh, no, it's not a joke he had five dogs and he had an extra one in case one of them on the day off but um yeah I've worked for a bunch of, of magicians and they all act they all tell they all uh crack jokes and stuff um the one that's from here that lives in LA now his name is uh Oh shoot! He lives with uh, he lives with uh, preacher Lawson, and uh, oh, what's his name? He's opened up for me a bunch of times. a young guy, he's been doing uh, he's been doing uh, magic since he was eight years old. He's amazing, amazing. Wow, that's pretty. Cool. He's on my friends list. I can't remember his name, but I'll, I'll look it up. I, I I I hate it that I can't remember his name because he's such a nice kid. Um, but yeah, he's. I love magic. I can't do it, but I love it.
0: Yeah, but it's it is interesting that it's something that is kind of. uh, Featured in like like a comedy club, like you will have a uh, vice versa. Like sometimes, like apparently, magicians open up for comedians, and it's just like, what the hell? Like it's just unless it's a variety show, then I it, it it just took me hearing it out of Jay's mouth where I was like, wow, like that's something I never thought of. Like if you tried to incorporate magic and comedy, it would be a real tough sell for a lot of people because they don't know how to. Is it serious? Is it jokey? Like, what are we going for here? Unless you're a comedic magician and all your effects and tricks are, you know, gags and shit.
1: I opened up for the top rated. His name's Greg something or another top Vegas magician. Uh, I did a week with him here in Florida. And then I did a week with him in Georgia because he just liked me. And uh, and he did a lot of stand up. And I actually helped him with some material. helped him write some stuff, you know, some tags and stuff and uh and I opened for him I did 30 minutes in front of him every every night for a week and then did another one and uh he he did a lot of lot of stand up and there's a there's a there's a few different ones um uh, Michael what's Michael's last name Mike uh sh- I can't remember these my blood sugar is getting low I can't remember but there's a Mike De Palma yeah Mike De Palma he's on my page I've he's booked me and uh and I've actually opened for him and then he's open for me yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, it, it just, you know, I got a lot of respect for magicians, man. That's a, that's a tough job.
0: Yeah. Would you ever go on something like America's Got Talent to try to get your name? I out was there? on it.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah. I, uh, I, I wasn't on the, the main show. I went and auditioned in, in, uh, Orlando and then, uh, I made it that we sat in the first room for like 11 hours. Yeah. Yeah. And then they took us in the room. There was 12 musicians and I was the only comedian. And the guy came up to me and he said, what can you do in 91 seconds? I said, I've been married twice. I can do anything in 91 seconds. (laughs) That got me to the next room. Just that. I didn't even have to perform. Just me saying that. Wow. So then I went to the next room and it was me and this girl, Puerto Rican girl that played guitar. And it was the guy who came in second the year before that. He was there. It was just the three of us. Uh, He played like a drum and sang uh, Living on a Prayer or something. It was like a i I can't remember what it was but he was beating a drum and saying he's really good acapella and um and i did uh did a couple minutes of stand-up got some big laughs and that was as far as i went but they were filming it but i didn't ever make it to the tv but uh, i would absolutely do it yeah yeah
0: yeah i did the same thing in tampa i auditioned for america's got talent sat in that fucking room for god man (laughs) shit like that was a like that was a struggle trying to get through that and it was my birthday too like, like so it felt like oh it's meant to be it's my birthday and um, then I went in that room like you said, but I was the only one in there. I was it was just me a big fat ex on the on the ground and uh, one person behind a table with a supposed cameraman next to them and they were like, all right, you have whatever 90 seconds go and I did my thing and I think the th- I think the reason why I never heard back from them was because the previous year was the first time that a magician had had, had ever won and so i think going into the next season they were really selective over the magicians that they you know because they don't want to have too much of the same you know so yeah yeah that
1: x on the x on the floor is called blocking and they uh they teach you how to make sure you stand where you're supposed to it and i'm real spastic and move around on stage so that would uh when they give me blocking i i have trouble with it when i'm auditioning i can just stand there but when i'm when it's my show i move around a lot so Mm -hmm.
0: yeah those shows are interesting
1: I'd like to do uh, last comic standing. I think I could, I think I could do well on that.
0: Is that still going? It's going up. <laughs> well, have fun with that. Not. Have fun with that, Doug.
1: <laughs> I'd like to do it if it was here. I got a bunch of my friends have been on it. I mean, I'm talking at least like, uh, shoot, I bet mean, I know 20 people that were on that show.
0: Yeah, that was a good show. That like that actually was a really good show. I like that one.
1: It helped a lot with the when when they all live together i don't want to do that one i like to do the one where it just you just go up against each other yeah yeah uh when they were doing it where they all live together and stuff that really helped those comics out a lot i'm opening for uh jimmy schubert uh in a couple of weeks uh down in bonita springs and he was on there he okay. was one of the finalists and uh he was on uh, jay leno and uh jimmy schubert he's a great comic real funny guy and he was on it it started started his career
0: yeah you ever thought about maybe shark tank
1: <laughs> like jumping in it and killing myself
0: no the show shark tank you never heard of shark tank
1: i've heard of it but i don't know what it is
0: oh well it, that was my bad attempt at humor it's basically like you try to sell a product
1: i have one me yeah That's exactly what, that yeah, yeah exactly comedian so yeah comedians sell, like, uh, <laughs> you're the
0: product though so that would be funny you go on shark tank you don't have anything next to you like they always bring the product like you know they'll they'll have something like a backpack or some like you know like whatever let fun- me
1: see what you got
0: <laughs> yeah exactly like what the hell right. yeah um no the show i would love to do and they just started production on it again is a uh, survivor i would love to do survivor oh
1: yeah i'd like to do uh alone
0: alone
1: yeah because i'm a i'm a survivalist too naked and well,
0: afraid naked and afraid
1: no I don't want to do that. Uh, no, I wouldn't want to do that. But and, and when I say I'm a survivalist, meaning I'm not a survivalist, I would just like to be. Um, I would love to camp out. I love camping and do a lot of stuff, and I don't get to do it. Yeah. But um, that's a show where they take you out in the woods and drop you off with a tent, and you got to live as long as you can. And if you start to die, you tap out. And they come pick you up.
0: Uh, yeah, but yeah, but there's no <laughs> there's no cameraman. You do all your own camera work okay see because that that's the thing that always bothered me with these survival shows it's like there's a fucking cameraman two inches away from you so i mean you're really not in that much danger plus you can't die on these shows because that's the fucking lawsuit waiting to happen right
1: i seen a guy fall face first into a fire once
0: on one of their shows
1: yeah hmm. fell right face first into it and then the next time i saw that guy he was on that uh rob Wolchick the hall of shame he ripped off a bunch of people for their money, and he, they and I guess that man that show that show made him rich. I and mean, he he uh, you know once you're on those shows, you get booked to do appearances, and that's where you get paid.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, he,
1: five to thirty thousand a pop.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like a lot of well, like the most famous one from Survivor is Boston Rob. A lot of people know that name, Boston Rob. He 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 literally is just like a dude that went on there, and he had a real good personality and. He's got like I don't know how many followers on Instagram, but he's got a lot. Of, he he's got a big following. This dude, and he's just he, he just went on Survivor. That's it.
1: That's cool, man. That's <laughs> that's really cool.
0: It's just weird. I would,
1: I would love to, uh, you know, I'd love to be on one of those shows. And you know, TV is where I've always wanted to be. I'm an actor. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, I love stand up, and that's what I choose to do. But you know, if I could get a reoccurring role on a comedy or uh, another movie would be wonderful. I'd love to do some movie work, you know, but we'll just see what happens. I mean, I, like I said, I'm getting older, you know, a lot of times they don't want to hire older people, but I'm not giving up and I'm good at what I do. And I'm just getting better by the day. I'm learning every day.
0: Yeah. There's a great, uh, you're familiar with that movie, The Room, Tommy Wiseau. No. No. No, it's like one of the worst movies ever made, but it's so bad. It's good. I am.
1: Yeah, I do. I know Tommy. I know what you're talking about. I know that guy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. there's a great book from the guy that co-starred with him. It's called The Disaster Artist, and it's like his struggle of trying to break into the business and then meeting Tommy and getting, you know, attached to the room and and his career took off just because he's in something that's, you know, so highly regarded, even though it's a piece of shit and and. It's, it's such a fascinating read and I don't read a lot of books, but that's definitely one that, you know, for someone like you, like that would be, you know, it's, it's just a real good, inspiring kind of, and it's a quick read too. Like it's not a thick book either.
1: I saw the movie.
0: Yeah. The disaster artist with James Franco. I saw
1: that. I saw that movie. I didn't recognize it when you first said it. I, I, I it did struck a bell, but yeah, I saw, and, and I had the same feeling that you did when, you know, it's like, wow, there's
2: hope. Yeah. You yeah, know? exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, anything can happen. And you know, it's just that and and that's why I love Wayne's World. To like bring it full circle to Wayne's World because it's these guys are in their garage doing something that just means so much to them and they just, you know, out of nowhere, they just get famous. And and it's just such a good story. So um but yeah, man. Look, the one thing
1: about music that I don't have now is I I wanted to be famous all my life. I so I wanted to be Eddie Van Halen. That's all I want to be now with comic comedy. I've never once aspired to be famous. I just want to make money and pay my bills, and and be consistent. I just want to be funny. When people come see me, I want them to go, "Wow, that guy's really funny."
0: And why That's all? And why isn't he famous?
1: Right. I mean, there's a. Of course, there's going to be a moderate amount of fame that comes with doing late night and stuff like that. Uh, of course, I want to be known for what I do, but I but it's just. I don't care about it. It's, if if they told me tomorrow, hey, you know what? You're going to be on Jimmy Fallon because I'm going to hear that. I'm not going to freak out with nerves and be all, I'll be excited, of course, but it's just another gig, okay? I just want to go out there. I'm going to do the stuff I have written, and I think they're going to like it. You know, so that's just, you know, I, I don't – it used to be with Corella, man, when we would lose a record deal or we would lose a gig. Corella DeVille was the band I was in that was signed. When things would go wrong, I would just be distraught. You know, I'm like, I'm never going to make it. This is going to happen. And, you know, I've never felt that way at all in the last 12 years. I don't, I don't, it's just, you know, no matter what happens, I'm still funny. No matter what happens, I'm still going to the gig next week. And I'm going to write a funny joke about why I'm such an idiot. You know, so it, that's just, you know, it, it. it's 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 very cathartic. Stand-up, stand-up is the, the, the ever-cleansing uh, antidote I needed from my old life. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah. If, if life is COVID, comedy is your Purell. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right.
1: That's exactly right. You, you're right
0: about that. Fuck yeah, dude. And on that note, I this, dude, this was a lot of fun to talk to you, man. It
1: was. I appreciate you having me on, man.
0: Yeah, this was a lot of fun, and uh, um, I really appreciate you taking me through the ins and outs of this because this is stuff that fascinates me, you know. And I think a lot of people are curious about it, and it's always good to hear a perspective from somebody that who, sh- who seriously who should be famous because you are a you are a great personality, and uh, it's it's just you never know, right? You never know when. So,
1: well, you're a pretty talented dude too. You're, you're verbose and and intelligent, and you know you have. When you open your mouth, you say good things and you listen when other people talk. I noticed that. So how would I have ever known that the my barista
2: <laughs>
1: at Starbucks turns out to be this, you know, brilliant podcast entertainer magician. Yeah. So, you know, thanks for having me on. And it was just as enjoyable to me to be on here. So, I mean, I appreciate you.
0: Well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, obviously I will see you very, very soon. So probably tomorrow. Yeah, probably tomorrow. There we go, dude. All right, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. Have a good night.